0: Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. You guys ready to jump in? Okay, Colossians chapter 2. Thank you, sir. Joel's going to read our scripture. This is Joel. He's one of our Colossians, and he's a Missouri State soccer player. And... We have, a, we have a handful of the soccer guys that come to our church, but they won a conference championship this week, yesterday, yeah, uh, had an awesome run last year, but here, here's why I pull that out, and want to, by the way, the football team, which we have some of the football guys come, just got in the playoffs like 20 minutes ago, so that's exciting, yeah, just cool, here's why I bring that to attention. Um, one of my friends noticed this. So a couple weeks ago, Kyle, who's one of our soccer guys, you guys had a big game like Sunday, like right after church. And he was serving kids, teaching kids, two hours before his game. What Division One athlete does that? Hey, they won a conference championship. He was here this morning at, at 7 a.m. setting up all of this equipment. And I, I just love, I love it. Um, parents, if you, I, I went up during the 9 o'clock hour, most of our kids' workers are young adults, college students, young adults. What a gift for a local church to have young adults that don't just attend but are plugged in and serve and give back. And It's so cool. And so I want to highlight that. Yeah. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. You want to read it for us? Yeah, uh, 2, 13 uh, to 15. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Awesome. I don't know if you can tell, but Joel and I are from the same small hometown. Yeah. Uh, here, here in rural Missouri. So, uh, this is a passage in Scripture in Colossians. We taught through Colossians, and, and what we're doing here for a few weeks is we're jumping back in with passages I didn't, we didn't have time for. So I remember teaching this section. There's some rich stuff in this verse, and I knew that if I tried to address it, my sermon would be, instead of 45 minutes, about an hour and a half, and you guys wouldn't like me. Uh, so we're, we're addressing some of those and coming back to this. And so what we're going to talk about today is the category of evil and how evil works. And anytime we address the subject of evil, uh, there's two dangers. And C.S. Lewis wrote about this. The first danger is we don't, or we give evil too much credit. You know, you're coming to church, your car runs out of gas, like, oh, evil's got me. No, you just didn't fill up your tank. That's, that's the problem. So we can give evil too much credit and blame everything on the devil made me do it. The other danger, which is probably most of us and me, we don't give evil enough credit. That the Bible says that our war, our fight, is not against flesh and blood. Can I tell you something? The problem with your life is not your spouse. It's not your boss,' not your coworker, it's not your roommate. It's the work of evil. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Um, and there is an evil force against us, the work of evil. The Bible talks about it very matter-of-factly. Um, and just an example, and I don't want to get weird, but like we've talked about the reality of evil. You know, it's kind of like the main sermon, maybe three or four times in the life of Hill City. Every single time, and I say this, every single time, there has been huge distractions, technology issues throughout our whole gathering. Uh, one one uh, person that I was listening to and learning that, that w- works in the realm of spiritual warfare and evil Said that one of the one of the ways that he sees evil manifest is through technology. Every single time we talk about evil, we have technology problems. This morning, our first gathering was rehearsal for our band because none of the technology worked for from 7 a.m. until right before the gathering started. It's just every single time. So I don't want to like scare us. <laughs> But we must know we are engaged in a battle. That There is a battle going on more than the material world, more than what we see. Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The danger for most of us is we don't give evil enough credit. Probably most of you aren't going around like casting out demons, not your normal Tuesday. Me neither. The danger is we don't give evil enough credit. So how does evil work and what does it look like to begin to fight back against evil? That is really the the point of my uh, talk today. Um, in the New Testament, though, it's very normal for the gospel writers to address evil and talk about evil. You guys have seen this. Our, our, it, Jesus is always uh, coming up against evil forces. The disciples, as they go out and begin to minister, and through the gospels and, and through acts, they're like casting out demons. Like there, there is a reality of evil. And that's what this Colossians 2 passage about. And what I hope to do today is to give you very tangible uh, um, uh, cues on what, what it looks like how does evil work in our lives, and what's it look like to resist evil? And I don't want to make it as practical as I can today. Let's jump into Colossians 2. We'll just walk through this passage. Verse 13, you were dead in your trespasses in the, in the uncircumcision of your flesh. One of the things I appreciate the Bible, it tells the truth. The Bible tells the truth. It doesn't hide. It doesn't hide your and I's reality. We are dead people, sinful, broken People. The Bible doesn't hide the realities of its heroes, does it? King David, man after God's own heart, a hero, very broken. Would you agree? The Bible tells the truth. It, it, here's what we believe: in our fallen state of humans, we're dead, we're broken, we we deserve we're enemies of God, deserving of of His wrath against sin. That we're dead people. And here's what I believe: I'm just going to get this out of the way. I know you're broken. I know you're sinful. I know that 42 times a day already you've sinned. I know that. How does he know? Because I know myself. We're broken people. I believe you're more broken than you will ever admit. I believe you're more broken than you will ever know. The Bible tells the truth. And I believe you're more glorious than you'll ever know. And you're more glorious than you'll ever care to admit. That when God, uh, when God talks about the people that are uh, his followers in Christ, he uses terms like his beloved. That, that's a romantic, that's what I say to my wife. Little children, saints, dearly loved. Like you are, the Bible tells the truth you are broken. You are more petty and critical and hypervigilant and negative than, than you'll ever care to admit. And you are more gifted and glorious and revealing of the character of God than you'll ever admit. The Bible tells the truth. So you were dead, true. But God has made us alive together with him. And so this whole idea of Colossians was this transfer of identity. That we were dead, that our identity was sinners who have been transferred and changed identity from sinners to those who are saved and dearly loved. From dead to alive from one deserving of wrath to one who is forgiven, and, is, and and according to Romans 12, 2, is holy and acceptable, holy and, and, and dearly loved. That there's been a change in identity. that and Not just that God has forgiven you, but the manner in which he has forgiven you. Because some of you grew up in backgrounds and homes where your mistakes were always on display. And you still go back to the family dinners And there's still the jokes about what you did when you were 14. Remember when you wrecked that car when you were seven? Like You're the butt of jokes. And yeah, you may have been forgiven, but you are reminded. That's not the heart of God. God forgives. God cancels debt. God looks at you and he delights. The manner in which God forgives, it's not, all right, I forgive you. You better better sit here and think about what you've done. The manner in which God forgives is the story of the prodigal son where that boy had a debt that he could not pay. And he came back, uh, had nothing to offer, and the father, the God figure in that story, throws a party on his behalf. He puts a ring on his finger and a robe on him and kills, and, and they party. That is how God forgives. The nature of forgiveness is God throwing a party So here's the hard work of the Christian life, to believe what God says about you. That's the hard work of the Christian life. The hard work of the Christian life is not make yourself not a sinner anymore. The hard work of the Christian life is to actually believe what God says is true about your identity. Because when we mess up, I'm talking you, you did it again. Yeah, that one. You know that one? The one you told God, I promise I'll never do. Again, you do it again. In that moment, which of, which of us truly believes that we have a good father that delights in us? Of course you don't. Of course you see God's face as scowling like, are you kidding me, Hood? We did this again? Fair? That's all of us. The hard work of the Christian life is believing our identity that we are dearly loved, that we have a good father that delights in us like a good father delights in his children. That's the hard work of the Christian life. And we are at war with evil. We, We are at war with evil over our identity. And this is why we have to know how evil works. Because we've seen the Hollywood movies about evil, The Exorcists, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Like, I used to like those and then I was like, I'm out, I'm out on those. Uh, they just, they creep me out too much. But here's how evil works in Hollywood. It possesses a girl and she like climbs up a wall. Fair? Is that how the evil, yeah. Is that how evil primarily works? No. Why? Because if a little girl climbs up a wall and speaks in this low voice, every single one of you will fall down on your knees and pray to Jesus. Fair? We will have the most baptisms next week we have ever had in the history of our church. The worst thing that evil could do for his cause is cause little girls to walk up walls. Now, some of you are like, well, hood, you yeah, into my house and see my daughter and she's a ton of the temper tantrum. Okay. That's not how evil works. Okay. If you're taking notes, here's how evil works. You ready? Primarily how evil works. Lies and accusations. That's how evil works. Lies. Lies about the character of God. That he's not good. That his commands are not for your good and for your joy. Lies about you and who you are. Lies about your past and how that defines you. Lies about others. Oh, don't you trust him? Evil works through lies. First John chapter 8, he calls evil, he says he's a liar and he's the father of lies. Um, evil works before in temptation. He, he says things like this to you. This won't hurt you. It, it's just a little, it's just a little thing. It's just a little white lie. Mama said it wouldn't hurt anyone. That's a Forrest Gump reference, no one got that? One. Okay. Different crowd, I forget. Uh, evil says, did God actually say, dot, dot, dot. That's what he did to Eve. Did God actually, what kind of good God would say that? What kind of good God would, would give you any instructions on what to do with your body? Would God actually say, did God actually say be generous? Why would you want to be generous? Spend your money on yourself. The lies of evil before. And then how evil works afterwards. After we mess up, here's the voice of evil. You're a failure. You're alone. You're so emotional. You're not enough. It's lies. Accusations. Uh, uh, You're unlovable. You have no hope. This is the way you are. You know that sin that you struggle? Yeah, it's just the way you are. It's the way you'll be. Revelation 12.10, I love this. It, it shows the work of evil. And, and this is like to come. This hasn't happened yet. It's, it's this vision of what will happen when Jesus comes back and kicks out evil forever. But listen to this. This is Revelation 12.10. Um, and I heard a loud voice in the heavens saying, Now the salvation, the power, the kingdom of our God and authority of Christ have come. And listen, to this. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. The work of evil is to lie to you and accuse you that something you are, that you have done, that you did is somehow beyond the grace of God. That's what evil does. That's how he works in your life. That's why your fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against the work of evil. And can I tell you this? He'll use others to condemn you. He'll use other believers to condemn you. One of the things that I grieve the most as humans, but even as Christians, is our feeling the need to kick another brother while he is down. To say curses against one another. Oh, he's a fool. I don't have time for this in this sermon. Be cautious about cursing others. There is power in that. Um, One of my favorite stories from Jesus, Uh, this woman is guilty of committing adultery, and she's dragged out by a bunch of men, um, and there's one person missing the story, and that's the man she was sleeping with. That's a whole other sermon. They drag the woman before this group of self-righteous men who want to stone her, want to pelt her with rocks, until she dies, and the law says they can do it. And you guys know the story. They bring it to Jesus, and what should we do? And you guys remember the story? I love it, and I, and I wish, I wish we had more insight because Jesus, he he says, kneels down, and he writes in the sand or in the dirt. I wish I knew what he wrote. Don't you? I wonder if he didn't write the sins of everyone there with the rocks. I I don't know. He writes. And he's like, you know, you who've never sinned, throw the first stone. And one by one, they drop their rocks. And, and if you're the woman, guys, can you imagine? You're getting, to have, getting ready to have your head bashed in with rocks. No doubt, she's just anticipating the first blow. And Jesus looks at her, and he says this, Woman, where are they? And you can imagine, she looks up, and, and there, there's no one. Where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go now. And let's not do this anymore. We have a good Father. We have a good Savior, Jesus, who refuses to condemn people. But the work of evil lies and accusations. And so here's what happens. You've got to understand this. Evil has no power over you except for where you agree with it. This is huge. You've got to hear this. Evil can't make you do something. Can it tempt you? Of course. Evil can't make you do something. So evil has those lies and accusations have no power except for where you agree with them. And where we agree with them is where we bind ourselves to evil. And I can tell you stories from Hill City Church of men and women who have been bound to lies of evil for years and years and years. And they become the foundation of their life of these fears, these lies. You are not enough. So here's what happens. Evil says these lies, accusations, we hear them in our head. You guys know the voices, right? You guys hear them. And we like, yep, that's right. We say them to ourselves, and we're bound to evil. And then what happens, evil's tool, is when that comes, shame comes in. And that's evil's tool to keep you silent and to keep you from revealing the, the character of God, the beauty of God, to keep you from pushing back the gates of hell, to keep you from serving our church. Shame is killing you. Shame is this belief that I am unworthy of love of God, love of others, Something I am or I've done, it makes me unlovable, and it's evil's tool. So much that in Genesis 1 and 2, before evil comes in the picture, the identity of humans is naked and unashamed. Yes, I said naked. That's how it is, okay? Naked and unashamed. There's no shame. Genesis 3, after the curse, what comes into the picture? Shame. And what happens when Adam and Eve bind themselves to shame? They hide from God and from one another. They sow fig leaves and they go hide. Shame causes you to hide. And listen to the accusations that keep coming. So they go hide. And then there's. it's so easy to miss this. Who comes looking for them? God. Adam, he says, where are you? Do you hear that kind voice of God? Adam, where are you? And what's Adam say? The woman made me do it. It's exactly what he says. Here's what shame, the result of shame is hiding and contempt. Contempt for yourself and contempt for others. That's what shame does. And the thing that keeps you trapped in your Christian life, the things that keep you trapped in your sin is the shame, the accusations of evil you'd agree with, you're bound to, you hate yourself, the contempt is so deep and that's how evil works. So let me give you examples of, of how evil works in, in this and shame. Um, shame is your anxiety and depression. That maybe another believer told you, if you really love Jesus, you shouldn't have depression. You shouldn't need medicine. And then the voice of evil comes in and is like, oh my gosh, you call yourself a Christian and you're depressed? <laughs> what kind of Christian are you? Shame is the guy who has body image issues. And he looks in a mirror and he just, and he pinches himself. But that's a girl problem, he's been told. And the voice of evil to say, what kind of man are you to have body image issues? Shame is the girl who struggles with pornography and grew up in a youth group where she was told that's a man's problem and she hates herself. I'm so disgusting. And in the voice of evil say, how could you? That's, don't you know that's a guy problem, not a girl problem? Shame. Shame is the mom who compares your, her two-year-old kid's birthday party to the girl on Facebook. And it's not enough. Oh, you're a bad mom. You didn't have cupcakes for your daughter. Shame is killing us. And it's the work of evil. See, evil's accusation, they bind our hearts to shame. And we agree with them. We agree with the accusations. And that's where the power lies in your agreement with them. Um, It's your I am statement. I am a fool. I'm a moron. I am not enough. Here's mine. I'm an idiot. I don't know if you know this about me, but I have the gift of losing things. I just do. Uh, About twice a week, um, I go to Emily, Emily, have you seen my keys? I can't find my keys. And I hear the voice of evil. Oh, you're an idiot. Now, is that true? No, I just can't find my keys. What's your I am statement? I said in the first gathering, everyone laughed, and I said, "What's your tape player?" It's like those don't exist anymore, Hood. Uh, what, what's the script in your head? Uh, how about this? What are the names you've been given? You're emotional. You're petty. You're too much. What are the names you've given yourself? It's the voice of evil. See, what you believe about God, namely his character, and what you believe God believes about you, your identity will determine how you live your life. If you believe that God looks at you with this like, you're done. That's your identity, and you'll live out of that identity. Here's a question. What's the face of God look like? Um, Is God a good father that's welcoming you home, arms open? Come to me, all who are weary and depressed and addicted and struggling. Come to me. I will give you rest. I'm gentle. Or is the voice of God, oh, my gosh, Hood, get it right. What's the voice of God? God. If you're immersed in shame, if you're believing those lies and accusations, then you are no danger to the kingdom of darkness. And evil has you right where he wants you. Let's keep going. This is so good, such good news. Um, so verse 13, you were dead and God made you alive, having forgive us all tref- trespasses. Here we go, verse 14. You've got to hear this. How? how? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demand. So can I just tell you the truth? You have a record of debt, fair? You know a lot of your record of debt. If I came up here and give you a microphone and say, tell us, we would have some great stories to tell, wouldn't we, of our debt. You have a record of debt, and the demands of that debt was you deserve death. But did you see what Jesus did? Jesus took that record of debt, and he canceled it. Like, it's done. That record does not stand anymore. It is gone. Um, it's Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and once you once walked, following the course of the world, the power of the air, the spirit that's working the sons of disobedience, and you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's your debt. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because his great love for you in Christ Jesus, while you were still far from him, made you alive, he canceled your debt. That's your identity. That's what Colossians tells us. So here's the problem with evil's accusations and lies. They don't have any weight. Your debt is canceled. Um, evil's lies are half-truths. Um, We've got a bunch of young people here. Here's what many of you did in high school. Hey, Mom and Dad, I'm going to stay the night at Sarah's house tonight. And that was true. But what you left out was the party you are going to go to before, and Sarah's parents don't care, and so you stay the night. Fair? Come on. And I'm not just looking down here. We've done it. Half-truths. They're lies. Here's how evil works. Oh my gosh, you're such a failure. Has anyone failed here? It's a half-truth. Here's what evil leaves out. But God. Uh, You're such a loser. Uh, But God. It's half-truths. Because the truth is that you do have a debt. Jesus didn't have a debt. But it's the Bible says that he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin, took on your debt, and paid the penalty of that death, namely his life, and then was raised from the dead and therefore has the authority and the power to cancel your debt. That is the truth. Okay, so how can I distinguish? Because I believe God speaks to us and God bids us to come to him. And I believe that evil works in in speaking to us. So how can I tell the difference? Um, How do I know the voice of evil versus versus the voice of God? Here's a question for you. What is the tone of voice? And what are the words? So evil accuses. God convicts. And those are two different things. Um, Evil accuses to shame you and cause you to hide. God convicts to invite you into his arms. There's a difference. Sorry, girl. Uh, The heart of God, Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and compassionate He's slow to anger and rich in love. Is that what you believe about God? Uh, The the Bible says the kindness of God is meant to lead us to repentance, not the accusations of God. Here's this. The truth spoken with contempt is not the voice of God. The truth spoken from a place of contempt is not the voice of God. So what's the tone of God's voice? Here's here's where the rubber meets the road. What's the tone of voice? Is it kindness or is it anger and frustration and bitterness? That's how you distinguish the voice of God from the voice of evil. See, see God uh, looks at you. uh, I'm sorry, evil looks at you and says this. You're a failure. God looks at you and says, Hey, you made a mistake. You see the difference? It's so subtle, isn't it? But it's all about tone of voice. It's why I can go to my dog. My, my dog knows it. My dog, Bella. I have a buck and Bella, two dogs. And I can go, Bella, and she'll sh- like just melt her. Or i can say, Bella, and she'll wag her tail. Even my dog can distinguish tone of voice. So evil says, you're a failure. God says, hey, you made a mistake. Um, Evil says, you're a pervert. And God says, hey, uh, you're sexually broken. And come to me and I'll work with you. (laughs) Uh, Evil says, you're a bad parent, mom, dad. You're a bad parent. The kind voice of God says, hey, dad, Let's get off the couch and let's go play with your kids. See the difference. How do we distinguish between the voice of God and the voice of evil? It's all on the tone of voice. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. This is good. Okay, verse 14. Here we go. So this record of, of, of debt. It says he canceled it. You had a debt, you had a record, it's been canceled. What did he do with that record? This is so good, I want you to get this image. This record, he set it aside, and Jesus nailed it to the cross. Therefore, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. Not you, them, by triumphing over them. How did Jesus disarm evil? He canceled that debt and then took your debt and he nailed it to the cross and said to this evil, yes, they owed me a debt, but guess what? I don't owe you a debt, evil, because I'm perfect and I'm going to come. I'm going to take their sin upon myself and I'm going to die. And when I die, there goes their debt. It's nailed to the cross. And now, evil, I'm going to raise from the dead and show you I have all power over death. And evil, you have no voice anymore. Ha, ha, ha. That's what Jesus did. Jesus mocks evil. He shames evil. Because they have nowhere to stand. So the work of the Christian life is to join Jesus in mocking evil. And shaming evil and canceling the accusations of evil that you hear. James 4.7 Submit yourselves to God. Therefore, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist him. You hear the voice, you're not enough. Evil, I resist that. That is not true. Now, without Christ, I'm not enough. But Jesus was enough, and my identity is him. And so evil, that is a lie that I will refuse to believe. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Oh, here we go. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Oh, you're an idiothood. No, I'm not. Evil, I lost my keys. And that's a lie that you would use to keep me small and from stepping into my calling and pushing back the gates of hell. And evil, I will not believe that because of the power of Jesus. Resist the devil. Evil understands authority. Hear me. It's not your authority. It's Jesus' authority. Now, Jesus told the disciples, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. I'm giving you authority. So your authority is the authority that Jesus has because of his life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension to cancel debts. So you're canceling debts based on the authority of Jesus saying, I will not believe that because that is a lie and it's straight from evil. Now, I don't, this is a whole other sermon. I don't have time to get into this. Um, but if you look at the Gospels and, and Acts and, and New Testament, any time Jesus or the disciples came across evil, they spoke out loud against evil. Because here's what I want to do. This is Daniel because I, I don't want to get too spiritual, you know, too charismatic. Oh, that's, that's not true. In my head, well, that's not true. Any time writers in the New Testament came across evil, they spoke out loud. Give me, give me a couple of examples. Uh, Jesus tells the disciples, hey, um, I'm going to suffer and die. I'm going to go to the cross. And Peter, out of the goodness of his heart, oh, Jesus, that will never happen to you. What's, what's Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Is he calling Peter Satan? No. He's calling the voice that G, Peter was saying the voice of evil. Get behind me, Satan. He speaks out loud. Uh, I could bring 30 stories here. Acts 16, um, I don't have time to get into it, but there's this, there's this uh, uh, well, I'll just read it. We're going to a place of prayer. We were met, this is Paul writing by, by a slave girl who had spirit of divination, I don't know what that is, and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, this girl's crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, (laughs) I love that, uh, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out of her that very hour. He spoke out loud. Hear me, believers. Evil has no power over you except for where you agree with it. What are the agreements? What are the accusations? What are the I am statements? that you have believed, some of you, for years. And can you join Jesus in disarming authorities and mocking them and canceling those debts? What, What does the voice of God sound like? What does the face of God look like? If it's not one of kindness, it is not the voice and face of God. It's evil. Because we have... A good father who loves us and delights in us even when you did it again. Yes, that one. When you did it again, you have a loving father that delights in you and kindly says, Come back to me. Come to me. I don't, uh, I mess up this parenting thing a lot. Um. I get it right every once in a while, and I'll end with a story where maybe I got it right. I don't know. So, this is several years ago. Erin, my oldest daughter, she's maybe seven or eight years old. And I come home from work one day, and she is is laying in the floor right by her son where I walk in the door and just just weeping. And not like she's mad, but just like that shameful weep. You guys know it? And so I walk in the door and there she is, just, ah, just destroyed. And my flesh, my first thought is I'm going back to work. That's my first thought. Um, but I didn't. And so she's there, and I'm like, Aaron, what's wrong? And, she, you know, she can't even talk because she's crying so much. And she, Mom doesn't love me. Okay? And so I, I knelt down. I got down on her level. I said, what do you mean mom doesn't love you? And I look at Emily, and she's kind of like, you know. <laughs> uh, and here's what happened. It was before dinner, and Aaron wanted a cookie. And Emily said, no, you can't have a cookie. So when Emily had her back turned, she went and got a cookie and, you know, got just got caught in it. And, of course, Emily's was like, Aaron, I told you, you know, just discipline her. Well, Aaron just embodied it as mom hates me. Mom doesn't love me. Mom's mad at me. She, she doesn't love me. And I'm, so in my parental genius, I'm trying to reason with the seven-year-old who's activated emotionally, which is not my best hour, okay? No, Mom loves you. Mom. And she's, no, she just doesn't get it. So I said, Aaron, um, Buck, we have a little beagle named, we have two beagles, Buck and Bella, little cute dogs. And I said, Buck's like, she loves her. And I said, uh, Aaron, does Buck ever get in trouble? And she kind of stops crying. She gets like a little grin like, yeah. Okay, like, hey, and what happens when Buck does something wrong? She's like, well, we tell him no, we get on to him. I said, yeah, when Buck does that, uh, and when you tell him no, what's, what's he do? And she said, he like sinks down and puts his tail between his legs. I'm like, yeah. Because he knows he did something wrong. I'm like, yeah. I said, okay, uh, Aaron, when, when Buck's like down with his tail between his legs, do you want him to come to you or run away from you? She said, to me? I said, why? Because I love him. I'm like, Aaron, that's mom hey, you did something wrong. But she wants you to come to her, not away. I tell you that story to tell you we have a good father. Yeah. A kind father. And we steal cookies every day, don't we?
1: Some of you are yep, I sure do.
0: <laughs> we do. Every day. What is the posture of God? I think it's this. Hey, Daniel, come to me. Come to me. My arms are open. Uh, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. That's the posture of God. And if you don't believe that, I'm going to tell you you believe the lie of evil. In Christ, God delights in you, He calls you His beloved. He delights in you like the picture of the best father you know. He delights in you like that father delights in his kid. And he invites you to come to him because we have a good, good,